Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we spark leaders in transition who are unclear, go from fear to fired up about their life and business. And if you wish to talk more in depth about coaching, heart and mind fitness, brainstorming for your business, podcasting, and or veteran resources, connect with me, Shay, today at the Calendly link in the show notes on your podcast platform. And today, our guest is the incredible Jay Lee. He's also my friend and a partner in the Lima Charlie Network. So welcome to the show, Jay. Thanks for having me, Shay. Happy to be here. And I think that's the first time I've ever been introduced as the incredible. So I really appreciate that. And I'm going to have to have everyone follow suit now because I'm really used to that now. Instant, instant. Uh, I'm instantly uh, accustomed to that. Well, I love uh, it. And you're talking about your son. You could start watching the Incredibles with him and just oh, get, in, yeah. get into stance every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. He would love that movie. Right? Yes. Adding it to the list. Yeah. There you go. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jay. And I, I am just so excited to dive in. We're, we're just, as we we're talking before we hit record, we're just such kindred spirits. So I can't wait to, to dive in. See where this thing goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we don't have a script, folks. It's just, it's just us. So for those of you who don't know, Jay Ali enlisted in the Navy at 17 and served as a special operations bomb technician for 13 years. Now as a veteran, he has shifted from dismantling improv, improvs, no, Im- Improvised. <laughs> <laughs> Dismantling improvised explosive devices, otherwise known as IEDs, in combat to dismantling stress in people's lives through training and coaching. He founded Global Compass LLC, a professional coaching practice specialized in leadership, communication, and personal finance. And we will have his website to find out more information on the show notes. So Jay, I just, gosh, you have such an array of experience. So I cannot wait to dive in and have the first question that I ask everyone is what is investing in people mean to you? Well, thanks for the intro first off, (laughs) and also very happy to be here and the power of investing in people is probably one of the most important and impactful investments that any person can make Um, because we can't do this alone, period. I mean, can't. Everything that you just read about me, I was not alone. I did not single-handedly do all of that stuff by (laughs) any means. And in my transition, it's just the power of investing in people that was really at the forefront. And the most important thing that helped me through my transition, whether that is the relationships that I already had, really reinvesting, opening that, opening up those accounts, if you will, looking at what was going on and really fixing those. Some of them needed to be fixed and some just needed to have more attention. And then the new relationships. Oh man. I mean, everyone's always like, it's all about networking, but it's so true. Like, I don't want to be cliche. And it's like, Oh, it's all about networking. But when you are, when you take networking to the next level, which I think that's what you do, 
and you invest in those relationships, I mean, then the there's no limit. There's literally no limit to where that can go. And we don't know where it's going to go. Like I could help them in some crazy way or, or they could help me in some crazy way, or we can just like consistently help each other down. And it's just, it's, it's so important. Relationships are so important. Well, I love that you said that because for one, that's kind of how we met, right? Like we were in a sphere of influence and with the same people. And all of a sudden it was like, Hey, we're starting this network and a podcast network. And this guy, Jay looks pretty cool. So let's say invite him in. And I was like, who is this Jay character? I mean, really? And so, right. right? (laughs) And after stalking you, I mean, researching you for a bit, it's like, absolutely. Your values align so much with where we're going and what we're doing. So I think that that's the great thing about the age that we live in, right? Is that we're able to research people sometimes before you get to meet them. If a name, you can find out some things you might want to know, but most of the things you want to know <laughs> to see if you are in alignment. And then if anything, after you meet them in person, then you can go back and go, oh yeah, that's totally aligns with, with who I thought they were or what I'm doing. So I love that you mentioned the relationships and then the networking part of it. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's huge. So now that you're not working with bombs directly, (laughs) how, how did you transition from being in the Navy to being a a coach in leadership, communication and finance? How did that all transpire? Well, I first started coaching while I was still in, in 2018. And that was after Let's rewind a little bit. I was not, so my, my company, it's Leadership Communication Personal Finance, Golden Compass. And I was not always good with personal finance. However, that is the, that's the foundation, like that is the cornerstone, if you will, of Golden Compass is mm-hmm. the personal finance arm of the company. And that's because money almost killed me and I was not paying attention kind of like the relationship things where I kind of said, you got to open up those accounts and look at them. You have to do the same thing with your own personal finance. I know it's, yeah. it seems monotonous and not fun and the bane of your existence at some points in time. And just, you'd rather watch paint dry on a wall than <laughs> figure out a budget. I trust like that was me. However, it almost cost me everything and it almost cost me my teammates, which is, you know, kind of the more important and more, more, catastrophic thing that could have happened. And I just took a a look around after that incident and hold on, hold that thought. Can you tell us what the incident was? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So in my, back in my bomb disposal days, Navy EOD explosive ordnance disposal, that was, I was, and again, this is like, I did not single-handedly do any of this, these things. I always say that the things that I've done, I've been very fortunate to do a lot of cool things and, and good work and work with good units. And it was total luck of the draw. Honestly, I was in the right place at the right time to get put on that team. I showed up at the command at the right time to fill a certain role. And it is a, I always try to, I, I tell other people that as a reminder to myself also, and to just like, Hey, this is where, this is how that happened. You weren't hand selected by the special operations gods that be to fill this role. Now, was I in the right place at the right time because of some other interventions? Yeah, I am a believer and I think everything happens for a reason. So there is that aspect of it. 
However, and I think that's this kind of all, this will all wrap up at the end because I think I do it. Everything does happen for a reason. And so I was on a team again, and on this team, people, it's a very sought after mission at the command I was at. And I mean, anyone would have, if I, if I got hurt, I'm sure there were some people that were kind of hoping that anyone on this team would kind of get hurt in a way where they got pulled off the team in training. You know what I mean? So it's like, Oh, I need, I can fill that role too. That's like the kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously we all like, it's like kind of brothers brotherhood, but Mm -hmm. no one actually wants people to get hurt. But if that were to happen, they would have been more than happy to take that spot. Let's just say that. So, so that's the kind of team that I'm on. And you'd think as a bomb technician, I have laser focus, which is a requirement when you're working on IEDs, improvised explosive devices. Even when you're just saying that word, that can kind of just like get you. (laughs) Yeah. So so I apologize for that. Um, No, don't apologize for it. It's it's what it's called. I just can't read or pronounce things. It's all good. Hey, I'm right there with you. I just was doing it for 13 years. So that's why I'm, I'm good at it now. And so this team, I'm supporting soft units in Afghanistan on foot. So dismounted patrols and just doing missions. And it's, it's kind of the stuff that they make video games about and all this stuff. However, in real life, there's no respawn. You, you get one life and that's it. And that's the reality of it. So decisions are made a little bit differently. We're not just running around all crazy and it's very calculated. However, we were out one time and this was during the day. So broad daylight, we walk, we literally walk out of the front gate and we are in, we're just south of Kabul. I know that's been kind of a hotbed in the past few months since August, the withdrawal and everything like that. So just to paint the picture where I was located was a small camp about an hour south, an hour drive south of Kabul. And the people didn't really like us. I'll just Mm -hmm. say that. And we were trying our best to have good relationships with the public because our camp was literally, I mean, you walk outside and there's a bazaar right there. I mean, Mm. like open air market and it's like, boom, it is the city. So we were really trying to create good relationships with the, the, the village that we were in the city that we were located in. And I think for the most part, we had built up good relationships. However, they were very pleased. When I say they, I mean the terrorist organizations that were in the area, because that's the thing about Afghanistan and Iraq is we weren't fighting an enemy that had a uniform. There were no, there were no, Hey, this is who I am. And we're here to fight. It was not that at all. Everyone's blended in and you don't really know who's who. So that's just kind of, I don't want to say it creates a bias against everyone essentially that you see, but it does, unfortunately, especially in that type of environment. And it's for our own safety. It's not It's not a prejudice thing. It's not a racist thing. It is a, I need to protect myself thing. It's a survival thing at that, at, in, this, in this type of environment. Because mm. you don't know who's who and who's going to try to clack themselves off, who's going to try to shoot you in the head or whatever. And so that is like the baseline mentality, okay? That That is, I just want to paint the picture of like, this is where I'm at and this is where everyone else is at that I'm with. And- it's a, that's a, that's a tough mentality to just maintain for a long period of time where you think everyone is trying to kill you. That creates hypervigilance and which is good at the time, but over an extended period of time, that is extremely, it wears on you. It yeah, wears on you. Very taxing on you, on your mental very taxing. capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're out and 
we had been going on a couple operations at night to kind of dismantle these organizations that I'm talking about. And when they got word that we were out in the middle of the day, I'm sure they were very happy because that's just, I mean, broad daylight there, the, the playing field is even at that point. Like we like to have as much tactical advantage as possible. That's why we roll out with so many guys. And that's why our weapons are so much better than everyone else's. However, in broad daylight, that really levels the playing field because now they can see us before we can see them. Mm-hmm. And that gives them the drop. And <clears throat> at this point, so I just painted this entire picture of like how dangerous it can be walking out in the middle of the day and the type of team that I'm on and how, I mean, anyone at the command would have been like, yes, I will go on that because that's what our job is. Like what, I mean, during the height of the wars, I mean, it was an EOD war. I mean, it was cat and mouse. They're going to put IEDs out that cost $50 at the most and disable a multi million dollar vehicle and wow. potentially kill the occupants inside, which are invaluable. Right. So that's kind of the battle, right? And EOD across the board, what no matter what service branch, if they were out there, were responding to these types of things and trying to figure out what was what and who who was putting them there. And that was the a, a huge component of the wars that a lot of people don't talk about. But that is, I mean, that was, I mean, all the target trees, they're not just bad people. Those are people that are putting IEDs in the roads that are killing Americans. And so we find out who they are and we put these target packages together and we go find them. And that's, that's, that was the name of the game for a a large portion of it. So we're out in the middle of the day and just painting the picture of how, how the, the danger aspect to this and I'm there and my, so I was supporting a SEAL team at the time. And on every SEAL team, there are two EOD techs. And my, my teammate, my other EOD teammate was more upfront and he came across what he thought was an IED at the time. So our patrol halted and I was kind of midway through right behind his element. That way I could take care of the rest of the guys and also provide any support that he may need if the time, if, if it arose. And he, so he was working on what he thought was an IED at the time. And I was near a bridge that we had to get across. I mean, we were kind of, it was like the spring ish time frame, and it had just rained recently. So there's a river that was just, I mean, it was, you could not get across this thing. If we tried to do a river crossing, that would have been, that would have been bad. So we had to get across this bridge. And so he's up there working on that. And in the meantime, me and my other buddy are taking a protective position like a defensive position to a watch him and be able to provide support, whether that's fire support, if we needed it or EOD support, should he need any extra demo uh, demolition or anything to uh, get rid of whatever he's encountering. So we're there in a supportive role and actually doing those things that I just talked about providing support and doing all those things. We were, cause we were there. However, mentally we were literally talking about, and it's me, like I brought it up we were talking about the special pays that you get on deployment if they had come through. So, because I was living wild and free with my money prior to this, like during the workup, it is like, you're going all these different spots. So it's like, we work hard, we party harder type Mm -hmm. deal. And we are just in it every single night, if we could, if it was close enough by or on the weekend, whenever we could. So it's like, you know, we close up, we close up business, the training, and then we're just out and living it up. And it was great. It was a great time. It was building those relationships. However, I was not doing it smartly. I went massively into debt with several different credit cards and all these uh, and all kinds of things. I think I spent, I got a year end statement. I, I think I spent $25,000 in bars alone. 
that year. Uh-huh. So it's like ridiculous stuff like that. And I'm literally paying for food and drinks that I've already have been processed and they're gone completely. And I'm still paying on it with interest, mm. um, which is absolutely insane to think about it in that, in that perspective. So I'm worried about like, I'm living paycheck to paycheck at this point. And I'm like, Hey man, did your pays get started? Um, like, and the pays that I'm talking about are <laughs> hostile fire, imminent danger, stuff like that. Right. And you get like tax-free pay when you're, when you're deployed, but we're literally talking about hostile fire and imminent danger pay mm-hmm. while on an operation in the middle of the daytime. So it's like, that should have been like a reminder, like, Hey, remember why you're here in the first place. Imminent and danger. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. In the broad daylight. And mm. I'm just like concerned about my pays coming in because I have these bills that need to be hit. And I was playing the game of, I'm going to pay my mortgage. I had two roommates, thank God, because that like significantly reduced the cost, but I'm paying the mortgage with a credit card and I'm paying it using a different credit card to pay off of that credit card. Oh, and then no. I'm using this third one to pay off both of like the whole thing. Mm. Um, so I was kind of doing that Robin Peter to pay Paul yeah. game. Uh, and it's just, it doesn't, it never works. It never works. And I'm just no. here. If you're doing that right now and you're listening, it never works. Okay. Right. I was doing it and I've coached many people that try to play this little shell game and it never works. You can never find the P the P gets lost in the sauce mm-hmm. and it's, and it's bad. So it, that's what I was doing. And I was worried about, I was so worried about the shell game that I was playing about, I need to pay this credit card off. Otherwise my whole house of cards is going to fall apart. That's stressful. And I didn't realize how stressful it was. And I didn't realize that I was thinking about it all the time subconsciously. And now consciously in, on an operation in the middle of the day in Afghanistan, supporting a SEAL team. I mean, it's just ridiculous that that was what I was thinking about. And my buddy was just like, yeah, no, it got started and all this and that. And I was like, we were just kind of talking about stuff like that and like how, and just money stuff, just money stuff and money problems and issues. And just like, kind of like, Hey man, well, I need to get this because so on and so forth. And 40 minutes had gone by while we were doing this and my buddy was working. He didn't need us. It, it turns out that 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 was actually a hoax IED. So it was a fake. And they do that intentionally because now they just watched him wherever they were, who knows where they were. They just watched my buddy do whatever procedure he was going to do. And they got that intelligence on us. Yep. However, there was uh, during that time frame where he was still working and about 40 minutes had elapsed, a detonation occurred behind me about 30 meters. And I, it, was, it wasn't it was the biggest detonation, but it was too close for comfort. It was 30 meters away. And we had uh, our command and control element behind us. And they're the ones that talked back to the base, back to HQ to get us extra assets if we need them if we were to get in a firefight. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, the people that are behind us are, it's, it's that group. And I turn around and it's, yeah, it went off right next to him, probably about six or 10 feet. No one got hurt. Thank God, because thank the explosives were degraded and it was set up very poorly, just physically mm. where it was physically located. And so we, again, nothing that I did save those people. It was pure luck. And uh, divine intervention, I think, because had that been in placed correctly, and I say correctly, like if that had been in placed with a little bit more smarts and if the explosives were better mm-hmm. um, and they weren't degraded, we don't know how long that was out there. That would have definitely seriously injured most of them and probably killed a couple of them for sure. Um, it was a little mortar, like an 82 millimeter mortar. And so I, when that happens, the EOD guy goes over to 
conduct a post-blast analysis. So it's like getting forensics, testing the explosives, seeing if we can pull evidence off of this thing. So I was doing that. I was doing what I needed to do and the procedures, testing stuff and, and whatnot. And that's how I knew that the explosives were degraded. It didn't actually, there were still chunks of explosives there. So it, it didn't all go off. go off. So I was able to get some samples and whatnot. And as I'm doing that, our interpreter comes over and he's like, Hey, one of the local police that we were at, cause it was the middle of the day. So we do these partner, we were, I mean, it was like later on in the war, we were getting ready to shut it down. And so we we're out there doing that. We always had our partner force out. So the local Afghan local police or the Afghan national army or some other different entities in Afghanistan that were fighting forces. So we were with the local police that day. And one of the local police, the Afghan local police said that he knew of another IED that was close by super sketchy that he knew that. And was now just telling us instead of like when we were standing there for 40 minutes or even walking in this area. Right. So that's another thing where it's like, there's always that insider kind of like, you never know who is who type Mm. deal and you never know who is infiltrated and when, but Mm. that was, that was the, that was the name of the game. And so at that point it's that we'll figure out that aspect later of like how he and why he knew that information. But right now it's like, there's another, there's potentially another IED close by and we need to find it. So I was like, where it is. And he points over to a location where my buddy was still staying, who I was having that conversation with about money. He points over to that area. It's like, yeah, it's over there. It's like, I was just standing there for 40 minutes and see anything. And he's like, yeah, that's where he says it is. So I, and this is a huge thing that I had to swallow this, this pride thing of missing this because this haunted me for a long time. I go back over to that area. I clear to where he said it potentially was potentially. And I look at the pictures now and it's very clear that there was something there. I just missed it because I was so distracted. I was, and that's why I missed it because I was so incredibly distracted by all that personal finance nightmare that Mm -hmm. I was talking about. I didn't see it. I didn't do some basic things that I should have. And my mind was not focused. And so now I'm clearing up to it. I just, I find it and there's a cell phone attached to it, which is immediate action because we don't know who's going to call that and when, like they can call it right now. They could be calling it right now and this thing's going to go off. So wow. that is what we call immediate action. This thing needs to be taken care of immediately. There's no time to evacuate anyone. Everyone just get as much cover as you can. Give, toss up a signal. I can't even use my radio. So it's like, this is, this is, the, it's like, this is down to the wire at this point. It's like, any second this thing can go off. Like that's how we treat it when wow. there's a cell phone out there or any type of like radio or anything like that, um, that we can't control. Like there's a, a big, a big weapon that they would use in Afghanistan is a pressure plate IED. So that is you step on a mm-hmm. two pieces of, of wood or whatever, and there's metal contacts in the middle. You complete that circuit. That is, that is, wow. you know, victim operated. That's what you call a victim operated IED. Wow. Um, however, this was a command operated. So someone is going to call this and that's totally out of my control. So I get down immediately. I have this thing between, it's about the size of a paint can. This is much larger than the other ID that just went off. Mm. And this about the size of a paint can laying on its side. And then what they like to do in this area is they would push the front in a little bit. So it's more of like a concave shape mm-hmm. and they line it with steel ball bearings. So oh, this is, wow. yeah. And the, the HE that was in there, it's very similar to a C4, right? This is this kind of a, the go-to explosive that we use. And that detonates at about 26,000 feet per second. And we were talking about space and stuff like that yeah. before this. That's about, um, I think it's about 17 times faster than the fastest jet in the world. 
Um, That's how fast these things are going to be coming out of this IED if it were to go off. And that range is definitely enough to, I mean, we, me and my buddy, we would have been shredded like instantly, like we would have been done. Hopefully the hope would be that if that were to had, if, if that had gone off, hopefully my buddy would have had minimal injury. That's a prayer for sure. I would have taken the brunt of that as an EOD tech because I missed it. And that's like, that's the thing. And hopefully my body would have protected the people behind me. However, that I seriously doubt that with this type of ID because they're going that that's coming out of there so fast. Our C2 element that was behind us would have been seriously injured at a minimum, at a minimum, if this thing would have gone off also. Wow. They were only 30 meters behind us. I figure like, this is what's going to, this is the type of ID this is. It's got a cell phone on it. So I, I render it safe and... I just remember what this, like the phone, I remember seeing the phone on there and just having that image of it in my mind of after it was all said and done, because at first I'm just like trying to figure out how the thing worked and make sure I understand the circuitry and everything like that before I take action on it. And after rendering it safe, I just remember being frozen there. It seemed like forever, right? It was probably five seconds in all reality but it seemed like five hours. And I just was had this image of what was on the screen on the cell phone. And it was that cell phone had four missed calls on it. So yeah, four times when we were standing there, someone had called this phone four times and it didn't go off. Wow. So just by them calling the phone, would it be enough to detonate the phone? I mean, detonate the bomb. It should have been. Oh my god. The way it was set up, it should have been, yeah. Because I don't want to get into particulars about it, but they can just change the phone electricity. So when it's called, it rings, the electricity flows to a blasting cab instead of the ringer. Um, And that's enough. That's enough to set it off. Wow. You're a walking miracle, Jay. Yeah. And I said earlier in the story that I believe everything happens for a reason. And I was put there for a reason. And I survived that for a reason. And I think it is because after that I took, and it wasn't immediately after this was, I'm talking years after that occurred to me, I was sitting down with a buddy of mine and he was all about making budgets. I was like, oh my God, this all he talks about is making budgets. And I would see him in the room. I was like, oh God, here he comes. He's going to talk about a budget type deal. (laughs) Right. And he, he was like, Hey man, he like, I can help you with this. Like just, it's, it's awesome. It was an app actually. It was called every dollar. And I was like, what is this thing? He's like, oh, you got to get on this every dollar game, every dollar budget. I was like, dude, I will do that with you if you promise. And I was kind of a jerk to him. It's like, I will do this with you if you promise to never talk about this mm-hmm. app and or budgeting ever again in my presence. <laughs> He's like, sure, man, let's do it. <laughs> and he didn't have to. And this is another good point of, you know, I'd like to tie it back to your show and what you do is the power of investing in people. He didn't have to do that with me. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to. And I was a jerk to him, but he still felt like it was so cool and a good idea that he was willing to invest the time into me Mm. and into our relationship to do that. And he saved my life because that was the first time in my life that I'd ever looked at my personal financial picture on paper or on a screen, whatever, but like written down. And I'm like, this is what the problem is. It's nothing else. It's not all of the other things, the credit card companies and whatever, like, sure, like they're super predatory and they know exactly how you spend money and they're going to manipulate that for sure. Mm -hmm. However, 
it's up to us, right? And I was allowing that to happen to myself. And that was a huge wake up call. Like, this is what's going on. So then I, I just like kind of had the epiphany of like, oh my God, like that's what was happening back then. And I looked around and I was not the exception. I was not the exception by wow. any means. I was the standard. That's what everyone was doing. Wow. Everyone was doing it. All my friends were, our leadership was, that's just how we were as, as a soft community, special operations forces. Like that's what we do. Mm -hmm. We train, we work hard, we party harder and we spend lots of money doing it. And when we get home, we have all this like tax-free money and stuff, instead of actually investing that and using it properly and paying off bills, we uh, buy the newest gun that just came out and we do all these things and it's spent before we even get home. And it's wow. like crazy. And like, you can look and see, I mean, you can go to any military base and look in the parking lot. Okay. You're going to think that there are millionaires that work at these commands because there are brand new trucks, brand new cars. I'm talking Mercedes, Ford Raptor. I mean, like, it's ridiculous. Wow. The amount it's like, like people are not, I, the paid tables are out people. Okay. The paid tables are out. It's public knowledge. You can see what anyone makes in the military. And I tell you what, there's not that much money being made. So mm -hmm. the car should, the parking lot should not look like that. Um, and it was funny. Like I got into the, the leadership side of the house because I was doing, so that's, that's what kind of spiraled me into, or led me down the path, I should say, of doing personal financial coaching, because mm -hmm. I was like, this budget is huge, man. And he's like, yeah, sure. Like I'm getting emotional because I'm like, he saved my life. He doesn't even know. He has no mm -hmm. idea the effect that he just had on me for investing one hour, just essentially holding my hand yeah. through making a budget. And it was life changing. I mean, that's why I started my company because I started to realize like people need more people. Everyone needs us. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs us. And he liked it, but not to that degree. He's like, this is just like a cool thing I wanted to share with you. <laughs> and I was like, this needs to be shared with everyone in our community, like all the time. And so I kind of took a personal vendetta, if you will, against that, against the lack of knowledge, against the lack of support, mm -hmm. against the lack of education, really. And just understanding about like how money works and how to handle it properly. And we're not taught that in school. I can right. tell you all about mitochondria and photosynthesis and the right. difference between lava and magma, but I can't tell you the risks about having credit and running credit and playing the shell game that I was playing and not managing your money. Like no one tells you how to make a budget in school. Maybe it's like mm -hmm. a super quick, like, oh yeah, you pretend you're in an apartment and you make this much money. And then, okay, cool. We do that for a week and we're done. It's ridiculous. I can't even tell you that the last time I talked about mitochondria outside of this conversation, I, I don't even know how that came to me. That just that, that just goes to show that that stupid information that is still in my head taking up space where I could be learning something else that is actually applicable to my life. Thank you for all the scientists out there that actually know that stuff. I appreciate it. That's just not me. So just a little disclaimer there. I love what you do, but I took it upon myself to then become certified as a personal finance coach. Cause it's like, man, a, I need to figure out what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can get myself squared away first, like the oxygen mass principle. It's like, I can't help anyone. If I'm, if I'm all jacked up, I can see everyone's all jacked up, mm -hmm. but I need to fix me and figure out how to fix me first, first before I can have help anyone else. So that's what I did. And it was, I mean, life-changing. I started doing basic things very basic things. And I was just like, man, the trajectory of my life is turning around. Mm -hmm. And I just like love my mom so much. She's a single mom pretty much my whole life. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was three-ish. I can't remember. It was very, I was very young, but she scratched and clawed her whole way through raising me and my sister. And then eventually my brother. And um, 
yeah, lover, but not the best with money. And that was my, that was my upbringing. And that's how like, I just did the same thing, the same things. Right. And it's, it's not a hit against her. She did the best that she could with what she had. And I went to school. And so it's like, you should think you would learn something, but not the life skill that I needed of managing money that we all need. And it's crazy. So I, I figured it out, right? I, I figured out how to win with money. And I just saw my life, like my family tree, um, was not like, I mean, I grew up, I'm talking like single mom raised. She did everything for me and my sister. I mean, she was, she's scratching clawed for us, not for herself, but for us. Right. And like, I just remember, I mean, we've had the lights turned off. We had the water turned off. We had cars repossessed multiple times. We had a foreclosed house and it's like, I know what it's like to move around and move around and move around to find the rent that would fit at that whatever time. And it's like, that's where I was going. That's where I was going for sure. That same path. But then after I figured out how to actually manage money, it's like, I took my branch of the family tree and I'm like, I'm going to put this on top of a mountain and it's going to be different. My kids will never feel the things mm. that I felt. And that's, that's why that's a huge reason of why I do what I do is that I don't want my kids to feel like, I don't think you need to experience hardship to be able to like learn and be a good person. That's, I don't think like, you don't have to hold a child's hand on this hot stove for them to realize it's hot. You can teach them that it's hot. They don't need to feel the pain mm -hmm. of that hot uh, burner to know that it's hot and it's going to hurt them. And that's kind of the example I give when um, I talk to some parents and like, oh, well, I want my kids to get a credit card. So they learn responsibility. I'm like, why don't you just tell them to make a budget and have them manage their money that way. Or they like, they want them to take out student loans so they can feel that responsibility to pay something back. It's like, they can just manage their money and they're going to learn the same thing. And I use that analogy of, do you want them? Would you ever hold a child's hand on a hot burner? And be like, this mm. is what hot feels like. Mm. So they learn the pain of something that's hot. So why would you then hold their livelihood against other people that they owe money to. So that's like kind of the, the analogy that I use there. And I don't know how I got started talking about that. However, I digress back to why I do what I do. And, and it's just like, I don't want my kids to feel that. That's where I was going with that. They don't need to flip a light switch to know what it's like to have a house with no lights. I mean, the power goes out in Virginia Beach plenty of times on its own. So boom, there you go. We They check that box, but they don't need to feel that. And they don't need to see a car being repossessed out of the driveway. They don't need to see uh, mom and dad lose the house to know that that is something that can happen. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll teach them that that is something that will happen if you're not, if you don't manage your money. And it's not even our money at the end of the day, we're stewards of what is bestowed upon us. And we have to live like that. Like it is not ours. It's our responsibility to manage it um, for a better purpose. And I was doing budgets and I, I, so that's where I started my company. I was like, okay, I got educated. This is working for me. This is awesome. My life was turned around and I'm never looking back. So then I started this, my personal finance company, Golden Compass Financial Freedom to give that freedom. That's what I felt. I felt mm -hmm. freed. I felt like a, my chest is opening up and a beam of light shot out of it. And mm -hmm. it's like, nothing is ever going to be the same ever. Um, generational wealth is real. And it is very attainable for everyone. And I'm just here to bust that myth that you have to come from money to have generational wealth. A lot of generational wealth and millionaires are created first gen. Mm -hmm. So that is a very real 
and very attainable thing that anyone, anyone can do. And I can show you how to do that. I just very, that's, a, that's, that's like a 10 minute conversation. Honestly, it's easy. I started doing that. And then I was doing budgets with like the different leadership and I had the great ability to, or advantage, I should say, of knowing their reputations already because mm-hmm. they're in the community that I was part of. So it's like, I right. know, I know who is chasing rank and trying to make themselves look good. And I know who is there for the men, the mission and the command mm-hmm. and women that were there. And it's, that was so good. Like that having that knowledge was gold right? It was gold because now I know already how they're perceived by everyone. And that's not just me. That was like a common, those were common uh, reputations. And I would say nine times out of 10, I would sit down with the person that had the reputation of chasing rank, chasing awards, making themselves look good. And I was like, okay, here we go. It's like, I don't really want to have this conversation with this person, but they wanted to, they wanted to see what I was about. So it's like, I'll sit down and, and go over some things with them. But then I realized like, this was a huge growth moment for me, just not to judge people, and the, even the reputation sits, it's like, oh yeah, this guy's just kind of a, a jerk. All he cares about is himself. He wants to chase rank, chase awards. Um, nine times out of 10, they're hurting pretty bad, very overextended. I'm talking like a lot of like multiple car notes, multiple mm. real estate is huge in the military. People like just love having rentals for whatever reason. I don't know. That's just like a culture thing. But um, he had, I think about four rentals with three vacancies and he's just paying a, a ton of money. And these houses were in a, in a beach location. So, I mean, it's not, it's not cheap. And right. that's the, that's the price you pay when you're using other people's money. At the end of the day, if you have a vacancy, you're responsible for it. And he was, and he was hurting. And so that's why he was trying to make himself look at and chase awards to get the promotion to mm-hmm. make more money. Um, I was like, man, this is a big deal. And that affected his reputation as a leader. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking the top three of the command sets. So you got the commanding officer, the executive officer, and the senior enlisted advisor. And they're called, the, I mean, CO and XO. Those are kind of standard across the board throughout the military. But then in the Navy, we had the command master chief and that'll be different for other branches. But that senior, and, and so these, these men and women are in the top three leadership positions at yeah. commands. So they are, they're 100% leaders for sure. But now because of their personal decisions and not all of them, I mean, some of them, so like the guys that were good and like made decisions based off of the men, the mission, the command typically were uh, saving for retirement consistently, lived well within their means and had an emergency fund. Those three things right there, those are the common threads between that, the difference of, of reputation. And the other guy, he's hurting. He needs that money. Granted, now I know it's like money's not going to save you. Money, more money is not going to fix anything. All of the things that I just talked about, those are symptoms of your behavior. You have to mm-hmm. change your behavior because money doesn't change who you are. Money does not right. change the type of person you are. It's like, oh, if I if I had more money, I would give money. I would care mm-hmm. more about people if I had more money. It's like, no, you wouldn't. You would care about the things you care right now on a higher, more magnified level. If you are a generous person and you give whatever you can that's appropriate for you and your family. I'm not saying if you have a family of four and you're living paycheck to paycheck, you need to be given 10% of your money away. If you feel inclined to do that, then that's a value that you have. And yes, you're more power to you and we can, we can help you. But there's nothing wrong with focusing on your family first and then getting yourself right and then doing charity work and, and donation because you can donate your time, which is invaluable. It's the most precious resource we have. Donate your time. There's other ways to donate than just monetarily. And um, 
So it's like, you gotta, you gotta provide for your family first, but like, if you are a generous person, that's what is important to you and you want to help others and you want to make change in the world and you want to have some effect in people's lives and in society, then you come into a huge amount of money. That's what's going to happen with that money. That is what it magnifies who you are. Mm -hmm. If you're selfish and self-centered and blah, 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 that's where the money's going to go. It's like, I mean, think about lottery winners. It's gone almost immediately after they get it. It's gone. It's squandered. Um, because it doesn't change people. Money does not change. If it did, all lottery winners would be philanthropists and doing great work, but that's just <laughs> not the case. So, and sorry for anyone out there that has ever won the lottery. We can have a conversation. We can change the world. So call me up, but that's what it is. And it's all about behavior change. And mm -hmm. I had that epiphany in myself. And then I saw it in leaders. And I was like, man, leadership is very closely rooted to personal finance, much like mm -hmm. anything else in our lives. Mm -hmm. And communication and leadership is huge. And now being able to actually communicate your things. So you're not being perceived as this person is just chasing rank and everything. You get vulnerable with your men and the mission and the, and the people that you're in command of men and women. And now people know who you are and what you stand for and why you're doing the things that you're doing. And I'm not saying you have to divulge all of your personal financial information to your team. However, that's a conversation that needs to be had. And if that's important to you, it may be important to them, especially if you're a leader and that, that might inspire others to take charge of their own personal finances. So that's where I got into that leadership side of the house. And that is just like really taken off um, because it's huge. It's hugely, uh, it's hugely related and tied. So yeah, that's kind of, sorry, that's a very long answer to your question about my company and why I do what I do, but this, that's the story. And yeah. It almost cost me everything, but now it has changed everything. And that's why I think I'm here. That's why I think I survived. I was able to survive those four calls. And I did that for a reason. And it is to pass this message along. Mm. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that story because I just, I've heard uh, your story before. So I know it's so profound on how you missed those four calls because you're so distracted about your money. And now you're like taking back your power because you saw your, your gift, you made it through. So now you're almost, in my opinion, re, repaying God for allowing you to survive and paying it back. So uh, I love what you're doing. What came to me as you were talking was a couple of things. This year went from distraction to, to direction. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. So that might be your next, that might be your book, Jay, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I love that you talk about a couple of themes, themes that a lot of, that I talk in almost so many of my interviews, stories, the leaders out there that I, I talk to is a couple of things that always seem to show up. One is our adult, our childhood experiences shape our adult decisions. So a lot of times we're an adult and we're beating ourselves up for for think like mentally, like, I can't believe I did this or made this decision, but it's like, okay, but it's based on something that happened in childhood. So you're basing your money uh, decisions on what was happening in your childhood. So I love that you were able to bring that full circle and close that loop because now you're creating generational wealth. That's fantastic. And then I love, I'm a big opponent of energy. And again, this is so profound how many times this shows up in, in when I speak with leaders is that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And then when the teacher is ready, the student appears. So we always, right? Just we got goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> so you went through this where you were like, I know I need to do something, but I don't know what. And then this 
man who you didn't really want to talk to shows up, guides you, right? And you guide you to where now you've become the teacher, you've become the guide. And what, again, wrapping that whole four full circle story up is just, it's beautiful. And which is why I have these conversations because there's so many times that we don't even think to look back at that. We don't even think to look back at our childhood and see how it shapes our decisions. So I love that you, you shared that story with us and I'm just, gosh, so many things are coming to mind. So I'll I'll start with this. So I know that you have started this amazing company. You are so passionate is the word that's coming to me because as you were telling your story, you, your whole demeanor changed. You just lit up. You're so passionate about helping others not make or make better money decisions, right? So what do you want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? And that is a great question. I guess <clears throat> when I coach people, it's, and I don't even know. I mean, what would be my legacy? I, I guess it's just a world where people are living free. They're doing the things they want with the people they love as often as they want, when they want to. And obviously within the bounds of what is legal and all that jazz, but, but that's, it's all about freedom, mm. right? And that's why I first named the company Golden Compass Financial Freedom and is now like the parent company is now just Golden Compass mm-hmm. um, because that compass is part of, it's a, it's a Mariner's proverb, an old one where Mariners that don't know how to use a compass are stuck to the shoreline. And then mm. once they learn how to use a compass, the ocean is theirs. So mm. that's, yeah. And now that's I got what, the chills. Yeah, yeah. When I heard that, I was like, man, this is, that's what my company has to be called. It has to be something to do with a compass because the budget, my buddy's showing me how to use and create a budget. That was a compass. And so I learned how to use it. And now the possibilities are endless for me. They were rapidly coming to a head before that the possibilities. And now that I know how to use a compass, it's the possible, the ocean is mine. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want for everyone else. And that's that freedom aspect of doing the things you love with the people you love when you want to, as often as you want, that is hugely important to me. And that is, I guess that would be my legacy is if just that was, that was the normal, right. That mm-hmm. was the norm, the societal norm in our country or the world. And we saw that not happening the past couple of years, unfortunately. And this is like, this has been like really punching me in the heart. And mm-hmm. it just, if I could have just been with these people two years mm-hmm. prior, this would not be the case um, of with the COVID pandemic and all that. A lot of families right now are living in different States, right? That's just how our society is. Like people go and move and they live other places. And that's just where, how we, that's just our society, right? That's mm-hmm. just, that's just how it is. So we have families kind of all over the place, which is, it's good and it's bad. And there's like pros and cons, everything. However, with this, like travel shut down, right? Travel just shut down hardcore and people's families were getting sick. Family members were getting sick older. And this fortunately was affecting our older population uh, a lot more than our younger population. So grandmas and grandpas were getting sick. Older aunts and uncles were getting sick. Older moms and dads were getting sick and their kids now living across state lines. And uh, maybe they just got laid off. 
and they didn't have a plan for that to happen as a lot of people don't plan on getting laid off. And that really just kills me to think about this situation that has been going on far too often the past couple of years of mom and dad are now sick or whoever, and we need to go see them. However, we can't because we need to provide for our family. And there's nothing wrong with these people staying put and providing for their family. Like that's what they need to do. However, it's just a horrible situation. They're doing right by their families because they maybe they just got a new job and they have to stay here because they have to, they have all these bills that have now piled up and they're facing all kinds of things and their hands are tied, right? They have to make a decision. Mm. Now they're forced to make this very hard decision. Am I going to go see my family member who this may be the last time I get to see them or am I going to keep this job that it was very hard to get that I just got after months of being unemployed and with no money and being on all the, all of the stimulus and, 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 um, and welfare even or unemployment and all these other things, which are great programs when you need them, but being on them or finally getting a job now and now facing this very hard decision is just a decision that I don't think people need to make or should have to make. And If I could have, this is like, I guess this is a huge part of that freedom aspect is now, instead of just being like, I I, I can't do this. I gotta, I gotta go or finding the right job for them because they had an emergency fund. So now they're looking for a job that is aligned with their values. They're not looking for a job because they absolutely 100% need this money. Now that's why they're taking a job. Um, That will change the trajectory of, of your options. Because if you find the right job and you find the right people, you say, Hey, mom's sick. I need to go. They're like, great. Got it. Take whatever time, take a week. It, it might be unpaid, but go ahead and take a week. And then you're prepared. So you have the money to do that. And that's all behavior. That's all behavior. That's not anyone giving you anything. That is like decisions based off of what we do to prepare. And now you go see your family member maybe for a week. And that's the last week you ever get to see them, but you get to be mm-hmm. present with them. You get to invest in that relationship, which is huge. Maybe your kids get to see their grandma and grandpa for the last time, you know, and that's just, that's just a hard thing. Like we've all experienced loss and that's, that's rough, right? That was rough mm-hmm. for me to watch over and over again, because I know that it's, it's avoidable. It just takes time mm-hmm. um, and it's too late, but it's not too late for everyone else. And that's, I guess that would be my legacy is people not being faced with these types of decisions, <clears throat> whether it's seeing your family or otherwise, whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever is important to you. Um, whatever is aligned with your values that you want to be doing, I want that to be a reality. And that's the legacy that I want to leave. Well, it's beautiful, beautiful legacy to have. And I can, you're on the way. Uh, let's just say it that way while you're I here. So. so you're on the way. So thank you for putting in the work from going from distracted to direction. Cause that's literally what you, what you're doing now. So where can people connect with you? I mean, I'm sure all of them are like burning with desire. Like I want to get my money in order. How does, what is he talking about? Yes. I do that too. Yes. I need to talk to him. So where can they connect with you? And I know you also have a podcast as well. So we didn't even have it mentioned that yet, but where can they listen to your podcast? Well, my podcast, you can find the live free series and actually I'm, I should actually know this. It's I'm pretty sure it's live free series.com. Man, I should know that. It's livefreeseries.com. Anyway, it's on my link tree. What is it? L-I, link, L-I-N-K dot E-E um, slash J dot Lee. That will be my link tree. 
that'll be in the show. I'll send you that so we can toss in the show notes. Okay. Um, of course. And if you want to reach out directly, you can always email me at info, I-N-F-O, at goldencompassllc.com. Or just uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn, Jay Lee on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, that, those are great ways to, to get, I mean, the link tree is probably the best bet because that is literally everything that I'm involved with right there. Whether that's, you want to hit me up for leadership, my John Maxwell website is on there. My email's on there. My link, uh, I'm sorry, not my link tree. My link tree is not on my link tree. It is the link tree. <laughs> my LinkedIn is on there. My podcast, the live free series that is on there. The Lima Charlie network is on there where you can find a lot of great people and great shows on the Lima Charlie network. And uh, yeah, anything that's anything that I am involved in is on that link tree. So yeah, that's a great spot. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jay. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your amazing and incredible stories because it, it it truly is a an incredible story to go from being distracted to having direction with your money now. I love it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and thank you for that distracted, distracted to direction. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll have more. I'm sure we'll talk more about that <laughs> later off camera, but uh, I always like to leave with this question of what phrase scripture or mantra are you living by right now? Oh man, that's a good one. I just heard this the other day and I clearly already forgot it. Man, so I guess I'm not living by it. Maybe that's a, a wake up. Thanks for the wake up call, Shay, that I need to just get my act together. Um, man, what was it? It was so good. Oh, okay. So this is kind of like on the fatherhood aspect of it. You know, I got two little ones. Um, and I saw it. And I was like, man, that is what I need. And it's kind of what we've been talking about. And it was a Ryan Holiday quote. And it was being a father is is a second chance. It's a fresh start. And I think that is, that's amazing because that's just like, I need to hear that. And mm -hmm. I felt like God was speaking to me when I heard that. He's like, look, you got to give yourself more grace. You may have done these things in the past. However, you have two chances right now to make amends for and change. So I thought that was great. So I'm going to embody that and I'm going to not squander my second chance. Mm. Perfect. Cause that's what you have. Second chance. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and thank you for listening to the power of investing in people podcast. If you took notes, cause I'm sure you did. I mean, Jay dropped some major knowledge nuggets as he was sharing his incredible story. And I'm going to continue to use that to describe him because that's literally what he is. He's incredible. And if you listened and liked this episode, please share it with a friend if you know someone that would benefit from it. And also go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. And while you're at it, check out the Lima Charlie Network. The Lima Charlie Network.com is the website, and you can hear Jay's incredible podcast as well. And yours truly is a future guest on there. So, until next time, let's get fired up.
podcast is a proud partner of the Heroes Media Group, Lima Charlie Network, and Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. Sponsored by Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and business, and Quest Education. What if you could use the money inside your retirement account, penalty, and tax-free, and use that money to start your own dream business? Our friend Daniel Blue from Season 5, Episode 5 over at Quest Education is so kind to give you, our listeners, their How to Grow Your Money Tax-Free online course completely complimentary just for listening to today's show. We invite you to find out more about their generous opportunity at the link in the show notes. So just imagine the business you could start with your freed up money.